0: It's the break out
1: This is Marissa Carpico from ThePopBreak.com. I am the film editor there, and I'm with our TV editor, Matt Taylor. Say hello, Matt. Hey, guys. As uh, as usual, we are back. Uh, the elections have happened. I am mostly a human again. Um, although, let me tell you, I just, we just started recording this podcast about five times because I am having a stroke. Um, and we're here to talk about Oscar stuff. Um, a couple of movies have come out. Uh, a few reviews are up on the site from Matt. Um, we're going to talk about Roma in a few weeks. He put You've got a review for that up right now, right, Matt?
0: Yeah, and it's, um, I, I was in a bit of a cold, like I was on some cold medication while writing it, so it might not make sense, but, you know, like, read it anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, all of the reviews I read that you wrote uh, during that cold were fine, so I, I think you, you it was fine. You, you wouldn't know. Maybe, uh,
0: maybe my mental image of how I feel when I'm writing <laughs> is different than they actually come out. Yep.
1: Um, but we're going to talk about that in a few weeks once I've seen it. Um, but there are a few things we've seen together and a couple things we haven't seen. Um, we, caught, we talked about a few weeks ago about The Favourite after we both saw it at NIF. Um, and you wrote the review on the website for the official opening of it now. Do you want to talk about it, uh, Matt?
0: Yeah. Um, as we've mentioned in the New York Film Fest episode, like, the Favourite is this... Like quasi erotic thriller, slapstick dark comedy about Queen Anne in the seventeenth seventeenth century, and her um, like these two women feuding for a place like in her bed, but also like in control of the government. And um, it's this really just amazing movie, and I it has only grown in like my appreciation of it since
1: seeing it. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, like, I, I think back to a lot of
0: moments from it, and, I, like, see the different bits <clears throat> in the trailer, and I'm like, what a good movie, and I'm very excited to see it again. My friends all think it looks terrible. We've seen the trailer, I think, of every single movie we've been to, and I'm like, it's too bad. You're all going to go see it. I'm going to make you all come, <laughs> and it's a great movie.
1: Yeah, I I also agree. It's it's really good, and, I like... Now that people are finally seeing it, I every time someone's like, "Oh, I saw the favorite this week," I'm like, "Oh, what did you think? Tell me everything you thought." Because mm-hmm. um, it's just a it's a good movie, and 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 Olivia Coleman totally deserves any Oscar buzz she will eventually get. Um, and it's,
0: it, it seems like it's her versus Lady Gaga for the Oscar at this point, which yeah. is very really
1: exciting. Well, there's also, I mean, there's still the the, the underdog of like Carrie Mulligan in, in Wildlife, which would be great because she's wonderful in that film. I mean she's she is that film, it's incredible. Um, I also
0: saw on Twitter that Mary Poppins returns oh, right just, just scream and people are like, This is Emily here," and I, I'm I've given up hope that it'll ever be Emily Blunseer because I've gotten my hopes up so many times. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if that happens, good for her. I, I'm always here for Emily Blunt.
1: I would not argue with it. I mean every time I see that trailer I, I and her in it, I'm just like, Oh my god, I cannot wait to see her just, just rule the shit out of that, you know? I just can't wait to see it.
0: No, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped with Lin-Manuel Miranda's mm-hmm. um, cockney accent, which I think is adorable. <laughs> I, think, I think he's an adorable man, and yeah. I'm just very excited to see him talk with a cockney accent for two hours. Yeah,
1: no, I think that's true. Universally adorable. Um, but we are going to talk about some other things, too, and I think definitely one we're going to have to talk about later is, is Widows, which is going to just throw do so much to the actress races, but we're going to save that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Another movie that we have both seen that I wanted I, I reviewed for the site because I got to see it um, at a press screening, actually at the Japan Society in New York, which I'd never been to, um, but was incredible. Um, anyway, we I got to see the uh, Japan's foreign film submission for the Oscars, Shoplifters, and you saw that at Nipper Tri- uh, Toronto.
0: I saw it in New York. Um, oh, okay. Yeah like a month ago now
1: i guess maybe. yeah i don't know time, time is fluish well i mean i i couldn't tell you what year it is at this point um <laughs> the 2018 ge almost killed me um but yeah i i loved it um everybody did that meme fairly recently about like 10 10 movies that influenced you and one of mine is uh kikujiro it's a film that came out in like 1999 i think um or at least came to america in 1999 um that my parents and I picked up at a Hollywood video one, one year, and we watched it and loved it, and I made all my friends watch it. Um, I was a weird kid, everyone. Um, I made all my friends watch it, and like a bunch of my childhood friends and I have like jokes that come from that movie that we still talk about. Um, and it's got one of the best scores of all time, in my opinion. Um, it's just pretty and beautiful. And it's about uh, you know a, a young kid who goes on a summer vacation with his neighbor I, I think in the Japanese title is actually what I did on my summer vacation um, as like a video essay like when he comes back to school he writes it as a video essay um, anyway this is a very similar thing in that it's um, these kids who are basically um, kidnapped in the in the sort of softest nicest way possible yeah. by these two criminals who, teach them a shoplift and are are really just like nasty people but they also create this beautiful family dynamic for these these two kids who are um, well i guess three kids realistically that there's another girl in who's like supposed to be maybe late teens early 20s who also is like a lost soul who who is nurtured by this makeshift family um, and it's it's wonderful it's it's Kieran Kiki's last role she's a famous um Japanese actress. She uh, she filmed this like, like I think she was there. Uh, they were saying in the Japan Society, she was there like right before she passed away, talking about this film or or a revival of something that she was in from her youth. But she plays a grandmother in it. Well, the, the you know the sort of grandmother of this this group, um, and it's really wonderful and and strange and like I don't know. I just kept thinking about it ever since I saw it because it for me the interesting things about it are how funny it is and how. How quickly it reframes your idea of what is good, like, morality.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting film in just that, like, you almost forget that they are criminals yeah. a sort of, like, by, like, the hour mark. Like, yeah. Um, which is my biggest complaint about the film, and just that, without spoiling anything, mm-hmm. in the last act, it kind of very quickly plays ketchup, I think, and does, like, this whole... Um, like, asks a lot of moral questions that are interesting, but I just think it comes a little too late in the movie Mm. for, like, to totally work for me. But, like you said, it's this really interesting and heartwarming human interest movie with really, like, really incredibly well-written characters that are just so, um, they feel so real. Like, I think you mentioned in your review, actually, like, there's there's a sex scene at one point that is just like one of the most honest things like yeah. I've ever I've ever seen in a movie like it, yeah. it, it was such a well done scene. Yeah.
1: Um, well, it's just I think the thing that's so interesting about the movie is that it's it's sort of messy in it's about like the slovenliness of of people but also about the intimacy of that slovenliness. Mm-hmm. Um, like in that scene, uh, they this this couple they haven't they they sort of there's a scene where the guy is like earlier in the film he's like well we you know we're just in love now we don't really like think about the physical stuff that much anymore and then all of a sudden it's raining and they're eating noodles and it's like there's all this bodily function going on and there's always someone eating in a lot of these scenes and there is intimacy in like sitting in a room and eating with someone and all of a sudden these people are eating noodles and like they barely finish chewing before they're making out and, like you know fucking on the floor and it's it's strangely, like, yeah, I don't know. You're right. It, it's very, like, realistic in the the sense that, like, you know, there's not usually some big swelling music thing before people in real life have sex. They just, like, it just happens, <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah, no, it's, like, it is a very honest and well-directed film, I think. I think he's a, he's a wonderful director.
1: Yeah, um, no. It's, I've seen um, a
0: few of his other films. Like, Father, Like, Son is one that really sticks out to me. as just, like, a really great drama. Yeah. Um and yeah, I I think this is a really great one. I, I feel like the foreign film Oscar race is kind of sewn up with Roma at this point, but like sure. it's a very strong category and this is one that I think will definitely be nominated hopefully. Yeah. I
1: category. I think it's going to be inter- interesting to see where Roma falls in, in all of the nominating stuff because I wouldn't um I wouldn't be surprised if it if it's good enough and like Cuarón is, is well known enough or like at least popular enough here that it might just be end up in the actual best picture uh, race. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see. I don't, do you know where they where they placed it? It's pl- it's running as
0: Rome is running in both categories. Yeah. But, um, which I think I feel a little weird about. Like it's the sort of thing. Like technically speaking, of course, it should be able to run in both. But I'm almost like because it, it's it's such a front runner in best picture. Where I'm like, is it gonna win like? two versions of the same award and, like, mm-hmm. take away an award from a, another film that wouldn't have the same, yeah. um, like, um, soapboxes stand yeah.
1: out, essentially. Like, well, the thing that happens, though, usually in that situation is that it, it cancels itself out and it wins both, or uh, loses both, you know what I mean? Like, more often than not. Even, although, again, the, the the Academy's changing, so who knows what will actually happen, but, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work for it. I, I, it seems risky to, like...
0: it's such, like, an unprecedented... Uncharted territory situation in many ways but between streaming and between yeah. it being a foreign film yeah. that like I don't even know how to predict it to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really just gonna have to come down to the. I mean, we're just gonna have to see when it, when things are nominated, honestly. But or I guess, I don't know. I guess there's 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 a couple things coming up to maybe help push it one direction or the other. But yeah, it's strange. I I don't know about that. I I I, I'm, I just I just don't know still if a streaming thing can win Best Picture at this point, if there's still that hostility there in the industry, but I don't know. We'll see.
0: Mm -hmm. No, it'll be interesting, especially since Roma is the sort of film that, like, and I hate this argument, but, like, it plays better on a screen, I think, than it would as a streamer just because of the nature of what type of film it is. Yeah,
1: I think you mentioned that before because of just, like, the wideness of the scope and also the sound work.
0: Yeah, so I'm like, I wonder how the Academy will watch it. Yeah. And in a weird way, um, Shoplifters is a much more um, crowd, it's a, it's a bigger crowd pleaser. Even with its weird elements, like I think it's
1: yeah. something of
0: a bad pleaser. And Roma I don't think is necessarily, it, it's very interesting. It's mm-hmm. a very interesting race
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, Shoplifters, I would say See if he can, but uh, yeah, it's a weird one I don't know, I, 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 th- I quite liked it But um, I don't know I'm, I don't know if I would have liked it so much if it didn't remind me of a movie I liked very much, who knows um, But yeah uh, So we've both seen that um, Speaking of Netflix, uh, I want to talk about um, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs Which came out on Netflix This this week, I think, right? I think it was last week, last week. Um, yeah. yeah, right, before Thanksgiving Yeah um, and that's a Cohen Brothers new film. It's on Netflix. You can also go see it in theaters. I think there was it was playing here in, in New York City and I think LA for a little bit. Um, it's an anthology movie basically. It's a bunch of um, westerns. Um, I took a class about westerns in college actually. Um, it was just about western movies. Um, my senior year of college, and I I didn't I wasn't a big fan of the genre until then, but then. I became one afterwards. And this is, I don't know how you felt about this movie, but it was very, like, there were a couple of, um, it was, like, playing with Western genre tropes that I really liked. Um, like, the first one, the titular one, um, is is a bizarre combination of, like, this, the myth of the gunslinger combined with the, like, howdy-doody, you know, singing puppet kind of idea of Westerns all in one, which I thought was a weird choice at first, and then I realized what was going on, and I was like, you know, that's actually really clever to, like, meld those two ideas of the cowboy. Um, And it was funny, even if it was a little silly. And then, um, like, the one about Zoe Kazan is very much a a common sort of idea, this, like, girl struggling against the... um, the, the idea of the of the West and, like, the freedom from it that she represents to the men in that world. Um, and, like, the ver- the final shot is very reminiscent, to me at least, of, like, the end of Johnny Guitar. Not Johnny Guitar. Um, uh, the Searchers or... Oh, I can't think of it right now. I'll think of it. Um, oh, Shane. Like, in this, like, idea of these guys being outside of this idea of... Traditional domesticity and all that, but anyway, um, I am not a big Coen Brothers fan for the most part. I mean, I, I get I said this on Letterbox for instance, but I get less and less interested in their work the more obsessed they become with the same, same things about humanity that they find interesting, which is basically basically like for me quirkiness and a sort of like, um, I don't know, uh, like fate is weird kind of thing. Um, And like human frailty And it just becomes I don't know For this For me It feels like They're repeating themselves All the time And in this film especially It just was like Six stories About the same thing Um, How did you feel about it Matt?
0: No it's it's so funny you say that Because I genuinely feel The exact same way Mm.
1: Um,
0: I I I get the Coen brothers On a level of like They are Talented directors Mm -hmm. But like you said Like They're fascinated By these themes and nothing they ever say with it is, like, in any way revolutionary or, or um, new. Sure. And I this is an issue I have with, um, I mean, it, it, it's across all medium. There is, like, the literature, like when I was an English major at Rutgers, it was the same thing with so many of the books you were asked to read. Mm-hmm. It's like there are so many, and they're always men, there are so many men telling stories who find, like, these ideas about, like, nihilism and, like, the... Um, no purpose in humanity and everything like that, like to be so revolutionary, and it never is. Yeah, so like this film, it's like you have six stories back to back to back that are all very depressing and very much like about the pointlessness of just humanity and life and everything like that, and how mm-hmm. like people are cruel. And you know, like by this, like the fourth, I was like, all right, like I get it,
1: yeah,
0: and um. So, you know, as entertaining and as interesting as some of these stories were,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, I do find it a very tiring film. I think Zoe Kazan's story is easily the best. Yeah. And it was so interesting in that, like, I wish it was its own film. Like, I would love to see them expand that into a feature length movie because I think there's a whole world and, uh, of interesting characters in that one short that, yeah. like, I think would be worth exploring. And yeah. the rest of them, I think, work mainly as short films. Yeah. I also agree with you that the first film is a very unique and um, fun play on tropes about gunslingers. It's very entertaining. Yeah, Tim Blake Nelson is excellent in that one clip. Yes. Um, and I like the last the last short the last short story or short film. Sure. Quite a bit.
1: Yeah. I, I wasn't a huge fan of that one because um, I was just like, all right, is this over yet? Honestly. It's
0: <laughs> um, just, again, one of those where I'm like, your point's made what you're saying is not that
1: creative it's not even that it's that they've been saying that same thing since A Serious Man and A Serious Man is their best work of that kind I think that movie's a masterpiece it is a fucking masterpiece and it's like why are you telling me the same thing over stop remaking that in shittier ways with Diminishing Returns just make something new it's exhausting um but yeah, I, I didn't like the the last one so much. I there was one I liked because I thought it was so like, um, uh, like upsetting in its way. Um, was the prospector one because of the the allegory that I I sort of read into it as of like there's this prospector who comes into this beautiful valley where all this nature is like blooming and, and so alive and then as soon as he comes into that valley the the butterflies and the deers and all things disappear and he like digs up this beautiful he just besmirches this beautiful land just so he can find some gold and then leaves it you know eventually but like clearly his mark is made on it and it's just like I don't know there, I couldn't not read a sort of environmentalism to that of just like like my god humans are the fucking worst um, but yeah, like I didn't like that. I didn't. I didn't enjoy that in any way. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. We know. Like,
0: <laughs> what well, if you think of the third story with Liam Neeson? Because I've seen a lot of oh. really divided takes on that one, and that one is the bleakest. I think it's real bleak. Oh, it's like it's like painful to watch at moments.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea in in the middle of it of like the willingness to sell out actual art for. um like an easy buck, mm. but like, you know, it, of course the Coens can say something like that because they can take a shit in a pie pan and film it for twenty minutes, and people would call it a masterpiece.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of fans for Coen brothers out there. Yeah.
1: If I um, have to hear one more masturbatory like, fawning thing over Buster Scrubs, I'm gonna lose my mind.
0: Yeah, it's very. It's so funny that like. Every time they release a movie, there are factions of film Twitter that are like, oh, like, it's one of their major works. And I'm like, they haven't had a major work since A Serious Man. And most people didn't nope. even consider that, a, a, that like an important work at the time. No, and
1: that's one of the best things they've ever made. It's insane to me. It's like, I, that's truly one of the best films of this, like, millennia. And I And people just, I don't know, I forgot about it. Who knows? But yeah, like, <laughs> it's totally true. They haven't made a major work since then. And this has great moments but I'll tell you part of the reason that Zoe Kazan thing works so well is because it's Zoe Kazan and like she's so good in that yes like, so and good. and the only reason I want more of it is because I want more of her backstory I want to know that character more because she puts so much into it for the you know 40 minutes or whatever that you see her mm-hmm. um but yeah I don't know I, I I'm conflicted on it but I have been on many of their things but I did enjoy it more than some of their stuff in recent it's
0: great Netflix view. oh like, yeah it, it, I, I think I would have liked it less if I saw it in theaters, but seeing yeah. it on Netflix, I was like, this is, this is nice.
1: Yeah, I would have resented it demanding my full, undivided attention for two hours and 13 minutes or whatever it is in a theater where I couldn't like be like, you know what, this one's a dud. I'm not going to give my full attention to this, frankly. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I definitely got up and peed in the middle of the last one, certainly.
0: <laughs> I was folding laundry while watching, and... The James Franco one was very very hard to pay attention to after a while. And yeah. right. So like, I definitely think yeah. It's a great folding laundry
1: movie. Yeah, it it has a really good grace note that um that James Franco one with the girl and like the mm-hmm. idea again of like what women women represent in in westerns, but also I mean you you sort of touched on this earlier of just this like I just it's such a dude centric genre and like. I don't know. I just would have uh, like something that bugs me about the Coens, I guess is just that like women feel so objects y in a lot of their stuff. And it felt especially true here um, in a way that just was like, I know that's the genre they're playing in, but like, I'm tired. I'm so tired of it. Like these guys have a platform and they just can't say anything outside of their own wanking. Like I'm, bored of it i'm bored yeah
0: yeah it's the sort of thing it's like like i said before it's like they're fascinated by like the folly of man and like what mm-hmm. leads to man's downfall and i'm like that's interesting and it's not their fault but like like that nothing i feel like there's nothing new to explore with that and i'm like mm-hmm. you're talented filmmakers some of their earlier which i'm not like i'm not crazy with the big lebowski but like that's at least something interesting and like I'm like give us more like that Like give us some unique and
1: interesting I would stuff. definitely like, not like more bro shit Like the Big Lebowski I, for sure Like hard, hard line no I Again that's the most masturbatory of their, Like the worst tendencies of theirs For me of like women as objects Just bro bullshit If I had to like in college If one more fucking guy Tried to show me that movie and tell it was a masterpiece I was going to slit my wrists It was too much I would love something like Fargo with a woman who is actually, has a a reason to live. You know what I mean?
0: one of the most iconic characters of all time. Exactly. It's like, and even like, um, Trugard has a great female character at the the center. Yeah. Yeah. Like, give us more of that. Coen Brothers, if you're listening, like, please follow our lead.
1: Yeah, try, just like, get over yourselves. No one gives a fuck. (laughs) I just, I just, it's just at this point they feel like the kind of filmmakers that like people love now but in 20-30 years pe- they're like will remember two of their movies and it'll be like a serious man and like probably oh brother where art thou
0: I'm not a huge over oh brother did not work for me I think I was in a bad room when I watched it because mm-hmm. I was just like oof like this is very annoying but yeah. I heard like I'm in the minority on that
1: one yeah. yeah I saw that when it came out so I didn't have any like preconceived deals um I love that movie my, my family and I listened to that soundtrack for years but we're I like folk music and that kind of that kind of country so that album's a Grammy nominee That's like a, yeah. that album's a big deal yeah I mean I, I that soundtrack still fucking holds up I love it anytime I hear anything from it I'm like oh nice day um, but anyway we're done shitting on the Coens <laughs> um, uh, the, <laughs> although we might be shitting on this movie too um, so you and I have both seen Green Book, which is, um, the green, the word green, the words Green Book are about, um, the, it was a, uh, the vacation guide for, uh, black people in America, which told them where, what hotels they were allowed to stay at in the South and what was safe for them, what restaurants they could go to while vacationing. Um, that's the concept, but the movie is basically not about that, uh, except for once or twice. Yeah. Except yeah. Once or twice they hold one up and are like, a green book, what an interesting idea, why would they have to do that? Um, but it's really about the um, true story about a uh, piano player, a black piano player played by Mahershala Ali um, and his driver, uh, an Italian guy from New York. Um, some, what is it, Tony Villalonga? Vallalonga or something like that? Yeah, the most Italian last name. Yeah, um, but I, I mean, I have no room to talk. My name is Marissa Carpico. Um, so, uh, and, uh, they drive around the South together and it's just, you know, driving Miss Daisy, but in reverse. Um, and I don't know, that's, there's a good performance in there from Maharshala Ali, but I just don't know. I wish, I don't know. This is not the movie that like necessarily we need right now to move that conversation forward in film. But I, I think you were equally sort of like meh on it, right? Yeah, it's
0: the sort of film where I'm like, who is this for? I mean, I know who it's for. It's for, like, the older members of the Academy and older filmgoers who, like, eat this up. Like, it was yet another movie this year that, like, I was the only person under 40 in the theater, I think.
1: <laughs> I, uh, I almost was, too, which was weird because I was at the Alamo Draft House, which is usually almost exclusively people our age.
0: Yeah, I, um... I, like, I could not get a single person I know to go with me. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll go in the morning. And I went at, like, 9.45 in my local theater, and it was all seniors and me. And it was a sold-out showing, too, like at 9.45 a.m. So people were are eating this movie up, apparently. Yeah, I
1: saw it at 3.45 in the afternoon yesterday, and it was
0: packed. And, like, it's just the sort of thing where I'm like, who cares? Like, honestly, it's like, there's a really interesting story at the center of this movie of this movie especially since um Dr. Shirley I cannot remember his last name but the person Marshall Ali is playing is also gay which was not like I did not know before watching the film and that was like a like a pleasant surprise
1: no yeah nor did I and I was like oh that's wonderful look at that
0: yeah and I'm like this is such an interesting story that they're so not committed to exploring in any meaningful way
1: no no because technically it's really told from Tony's uh, you know view in a way I'm like teaching him to be a good guy which is just like good god who fucking needs it um,
0: I know there's the scene at, like at the end because spoiler alert everybody like they become friends and um <laughs> like we're like Linda Cardinelli who is wasted as his wife uh, uh,
1: she's but, she's Linda Cardellini is so good in this and yet it does absolutely everything with absolutely nothing
0: yeah, and she has that one scene at the end that's so painful where it's like, she's like vaguely nice to a person of color and she's so happy and I'm like, congrats, your husband is like the bare minimum of like decent. Like, what a wonderful arc that he's had.
1: Right, she even has that moment earlier where she's like, oh, my husband is racist but I can't say anything because it's like 1965 or whatever. Like, oh, it's it's disastrous. I, I don't know. It, but it's, I, I, I say it's disastrous, but it is enjoyable despite that, all that. And Ali is absolutely worth seeing.
0: He's amazing and I, is on a level that, like, the movie doesn't deserve. But if yeah. he wins Best Supporting Actor, which is looking likely, I'm like, I wouldn't complain. I, like, would, I would, a, He's really excellent in it.
1: I would not be mad at that at all. He is so good in it. I was blown away. Like, I know how good he is. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I've seen him so much. But he is stellar in that and, and also wearing some of the most beautiful suits I've ever seen. Um, yeah, no,
0: it's, like, it's a very um, good-looking movie. Yeah. Like, it looks like a TV movie but like
1: a very good-looking TV movie. Yeah, they clearly had some money. It's very well made. The suits are beautiful. The cars are beautiful. All of the period stuff is really gorgeous um, and works very well. But yeah, it's a, it is a movie from, from another time it feels like. Do you know?
0: Yeah, it, it feels like something from the 90s that they just like held on a shelf yeah for 30 years what did you think because I've been seeing him getting so many predictions by pundits like what do you think of Vigo Mortensen's performance
1: overacted Ch- chewing on scenery scenery left and right
0: oh yeah it, he's I thought he was awful yeah it is such like a comical performance yeah. I think but like not in, like I mean it was like there were moments where I'm like we get it he's just howling like yeah. he, like folds a pizza and like Yeah, like, one shot is, like, eating a pizza. Yeah,
1: he... I mean, it gets a huge laugh, but you're right. It's almost like... I can't believe there's not a moment where he goes, like, Hey, Goomba! It's, like, so annoying. It is...
0: And I like him. I think he is so good in History of Violence and Eastern Promises. um, But, like... I don't know what was wrong with
1: him here. He was bad.
0: Yeah, I'm like... He's usually, if anything, like, the best part in a movie I don't like. Like, I I did not like Captain Fantastic, but he's really great in that. Right. And... and it's like this I'm
1: like oh like you're kind of the worst thing about this movie Yeah, he's usually but, underappreciated and he is not he's embarrassing in this I mean he, he walks right up to the line of being an embarrassment and it's just and, and it doesn't help that Ali is so good and Cardellini is so good they're both so good as these tiny characters or well she's tiny character and he's like you know second male lead but like it, it's it's so noticeable because everybody around him is so good
0: even, like, the character actors who are playing, um like, various Italian family members, <laughs> yeah. they, but they're not cartoonish about it. No, like, no. And then he's he's awful. Like, he's really bad. He's but really it's the type great. of thing that he had, he was going to love, mm-hmm. and he's going to get nominated for, probably. Yeah,
1: I think it's very likely. I mean, the old people in my audience, boy, did they love that shit. Yeah. They love every minute of it. Even the crap we saw in the trailer when he throws that... that cup out of the window and you know he's got to reverse the car to get it it's like they love the shit out of it
0: Um, yeah this is gonna be my grandma's favorite movie of the year
1: probably 100% every the 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 AARP set it's gonna be their number one movie of the year for sure oh boy (laughs) (laughs)
0: like
1: again just based on my audience um uh,
0: but it's only like I've been seeing some people thinking, like, this has a genuine shot at Best Picture, and I think it will be nominated, but
1: I'm like... Only if the rest of the year is bad. If Mary Poppins is a piece of shit, sure.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know, we had our... I mean, granted, like, my Twitter timeline is not a great indication of, like, Oscar buzz. No. But it was, like, you have, like, A Star is Born, and you have, like, um, Roma, which are causing, like, genuine conversation industry-wide. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, no one cares about Green Book that much. Like, no. well, Like, ten years ago, maybe this would have a really big shot, but I think this is more of, like, a minor minor league Yeah, shot. I don't know.
1: Well, you're, you're absolutely right. I think ten years ago it would have been number one in the conversation, but the Academy has already changed so much that I, I think it's the kind of thing that now is a punchline. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I want to qu- talk very quickly about. I don't know, did you end up seeing Wreck It Ralph too? I did not,
0: I'll okay. see it eventually, okay. but like I just did not get a
1: chance. I am, I would love to talk about it again when you see it, but I just saw it this morning with a bunch of children, okay. um, who were well behaved much more well behaved than the people in my screening of Burning last night, um, <laughs> which is shocking because it was 10 a.m. Um, anyway. I saw it and I there's been a lot of co- positive coverage of it on our site and I am deeply horrified by. it. <laughs> uh oh.
0: For, coming in.
1: Yeah, for a number of reasons. Um, but and again, everybody can follow me on Letterboxd for that. But uh, the mainly my problems with it are, and I'm interested to see what you think when you see it. That princess stuff in the trailer is so great because it's like, oh look at look at this clever thing they've created of like being able to critique uh, all this princess culture in an interesting way and and have some fun with it, right? Um, But then the movie, not to spoil anything, is (laughs) basically something I wouldn't want a young girl to see because it it, by the end of it, to me, would normalize an abusive relationship. And I am not into that. Like um, an emotionally and mentally abusive and manipulative relationship of a older man and a younger woman, which I, I can't get behind. Not in the Me Too world. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I'm very curious
0: to see it now, especially... I saw your to review like right before we recorded. Yeah, yeah. And I'm very, very curious. It, it, it actually, in a weird way, may be more interested in seeing it than yeah. any of the positive, positive reviews.
1: Thank you. So. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think... that's I, I do want someone... To see it, who is not a true believer of the Wreck-It Ralph um, canon. Uh, so, the film canon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the two of them. Um, it's also just like a nightmare of uh, product placement. Um, that,
0: well, I got that from the trailer, but I was like, Disney's going to take us over, and we're going to let it happen.
1: Well, the, you know the funniest thing? The cleverest part of the product placement is the way they criti- create, uh, critique the Disney fans. It's hilarious.
0: Okay, good. At least yeah, got that. like that's
1: the smartest yeah. bit in it. But the rest of it is like, there's this cute moment where they all look up at the, the giant Google, tower in the middle of the internet, and I'm like, oh, that's ominous. Like, but it's like cute, and it's like, I don't, I don't know. This is actually a nightmare dystopia. I, I, don't, I don't know what's happening. Um, and the only way the movie works is if you, if you basically delete from your mind every bad part of the internet, which is why we have. I mean, you know, the downfall of Western civilization. So I don't know. It's a completely bizarre piece of uh, pop culture and filmmaking that is only interesting in the ways that it is a complete disaster. Um, But yeah, I don't know. That's that's my glowing endorsement.
0: (laughs) I'm interested. I want to see it. I have a lot of issues with um, the way my generation, with most Disney properties, tends to, like, have this unnatural attachment to, like, Disney properties and, yeah. like, other things from, like, the 90s, like, that leads to a lot of, um, like, situations like Gamergate and Comicsgate and everything like that. Like, I... I
1: yeah, and, so the, and I like, the, the reaction to The Last Jedi, on, in a way. Yeah, like, I
0: see a lot of, like, the fandom about wreck and Ralph, and I can't help but, like, toss a little side-eye of, like, this is a thing for kids, ultimately. Yeah. And, like, it's perfectly great to enjoy it. I love The Incredibles, but, like... The way people worship it, I get kind of like, I'm like Oof, this is a little, makes me uncomfortable, but I do want to see it, and your review made me more excited for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm glad I've, I, like, I'm glad it, it's going to help at least you find a way to watch it that's not just, like, from the direct approach, because I tell you, the direct approach is not the way to go. It's just, like, I saw the first Wreck-It Ralph film and enjoyed it at the time, but then never thought about it again. Same, yeah. And I And I still have no desire to see it again, particularly after all this. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a strange, I, I didn't realize there's as much affection for it as, as, as there apparently is.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny, like, when you actually look at the box office, it wasn't, I mean, it was a hit, but like, by Disney standards, it was not this hit, so I'm, I'm sort of shocked they even made a sequel, like, yeah. Disney's usually like, you didn't break 500 million, like, forget it, it's a flop.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could have made a Tangled sequel, I'd watch a shit out of that.
0: I'm shocked there's no Zootopia too and I'm, I'm thankful because I actually really like Zootopia oh, and I'm like yeah. not everything needs a sequel but yeah.
1: um Zootopia is perfect
0: yeah and it's like and I mean that's another thing that adult fandoms ruins but yeah. um for children but um that is a really good movie yeah and um I don't know I'm just kind of I'm shocked there even is a wreck and ralph too because yeah. it feels like the sort of thing that I'm like I don't know like there's a this like one corner of the internet that loves it and I'm like alright like I don't know yeah I don't know. I'm not the best with animated movies because my friends don't usually like to go. And as like a big like 200 something pound dude, the optics of me seeing an animated movie alone is a little strange.
1: So <laughs> yeah, I get it you.
0: requires me to beg someone to go
1: with me. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I, I will definitely make it make a trip to see this one.
1: I think that all the, I think about that all the time as I slowly grow older and, and see like older women alone at a theater. I'm like, that's thank God that's the one thing I don't have to worry about is being some weird pervert in some kids movie because like I I see everything and like Marla Pactor and I who used to write for the site actually um we went and saw like um Hotel Transylvania 3 together and laughed our asses off on a weekday afternoon or evening with like a couple kids after school basically and like we would have looked like insane people you know but thank god you know we're just young women so it's fine.
0: Well, I love going to movies alone, but I'm also I'm like very conscious of yeah. <laughs> what I like, what I look like seeing a movie alone, yeah. and it, um, being like a, a random random dude sitting alone in a theater. Yeah.
1: But, no, um, I think I think about that all the time, actually, and I like that's the one advantage I have.
0: <laughs> I saw um, Bad Times at the El Royale by myself, yeah. and I was literally the only person in the theater, and um, which made me very uncomfortable because it was like weird and creepy. It's
1: weird. I don't like it.
0: And then the funniest thing is, about an hour and a half into the to the movie, this, like, couple came in, mm-hmm. and they were, like, making out, like, yeah. walking into the theater, making out. I guess they, for some reason, thought it was an empty theater, yeah. and I, like, awkwardly coughed so, like, <laughs> to, like, make them aware of my presence. <laughs> and they screamed and ran out and i was like oh my god like this is the weirdest experience
1: that's the worst thing about about being in a, an almost empty theater is that some couple will always come in or some like group of people will always come in and have like a chat or something or like fuck around and it's like i'm right guys i'm right here and i also paid for this like please yeah. go
0: like let me be. I want to just watch this movie
1: in peace. Yeah, like I paid the twelve, you know, or seventeen dollars at this point. Like, come on, like I don't want to have to say something. Like good for you guys for being in love. Like, but don't rub it in my face that I am alone. Yeah,
0: I'm just like I'm like I'm single. Please leave me alone.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like I know it's a Wednesday night and I have nothing to do, but please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. It's anyway, great. back to the point. Um, so next movie we both seen Creed two. Um, Creed one is great. Creed two is just as good. I well, yeah, I, I'd say it's about just as good. Um, I would have liked uh, Tessa's one. Well, Tessa's performances when she sings to be uninterrupted, but you know, it's not really Tessa Thompson's movie. So what am I? What am I talking about? The funny thing is,
0: though, I thought that song was terrible, and I was like, oh my god! Like the first movie had much better music. I thought <laughs> <laughs> um, it felt like they were like. Janelle Monae is big now like let's let's do a Janelle Monae song and I'm like,
1: like yeah it's funny because the the first movie she sounds like FKA twigs and then in this one she she definitely sounds a little Jan- Janelle
0: yeah it, it was definitely um like I, I wish she had a bigger part like you said yeah. like they they do a good enough job of making her not quite like a supportive girlfriend trope no but
1: um I she actually, she actually cool. does have a lot to do
0: she has a lot to do, and I love the way they film her during the fight scenes, where she almost looks annoyed more than anything else. Like she's always like, <laughs> like, like, oh my god, I got hit again. Like, yeah. it's, it's a Really great, like little subtle choice she plays, but yeah. she's not like crying or anything like that. No,
1: no, it is wonderful that she sort of plays this character of like, I cannot believe this is my life, and I'm gonna just have to do this forever, like until he quits the fucking sport. Like this begrudging, like, God damn it, why am I in love with this person of all people, this idiot.
0: Cause he's gorgeous. No. Um it's a it's a really great movie though. I yeah. liked it
1: a lot. Yeah. Uh, um big crowd pleaser too. I mean my, my I saw it opening night and my my crowd was absolutely thrilled by every minute of it.
0: Yeah, it was um a sold out show. Everyone was super into it. I prefer a Korean one. I think um mm-hmm. there was something lost in not having Ryan Coogler direct it. Um, I agree. I agree. Like this one felt a little more um commercial for lack of a better word like there wasn't quite like any sort of like well-done artistic moment and i thought some of the editing was a little off during the fight scenes yeah but um
1: well and some of the cgi in those scenes is really bizarre
0: yeah it it was definitely um i don't know less polished than the first one but it's so entertaining and i mean like sylvester sloan's really good like i don't think you can play much outside of that part but like no He's so good at Rocky.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean everybody's pretty good in it. Like Felicia Rashad gets more to do than she did before, um, yeah. and and everybody is very strong in it. And even like Dolph Lundgren does really good work in it. Um, yeah, I didn't quite buy the that whole arc with Drago and everything, like yeah. like
0: the the mommy issues and like like I don't know. It was all like a little silly. And I've been reading a lot of people being like very emotionally invested in that subplot, and I'm kind of like. I don't know,
1: like, maybe I'm just cold, but I was, like... Yeah, I mean, I, I found that whole thing fascinating, but for, not because of the movie, but because of what... In in any other film, if you switch the perspective, he, that kid would be the hero. hmm Like, if you could easily make a film about young Victor Drago as, as a hero, like, overcoming all this other shit, these expectations, the family shame... Um, his mother abandonment issues by Brigitte Nielsen who appears um like twice um but yeah like he would be the um the hero but like the work the movie itself doesn't do any work to make us feel that I just thought about it at some point do you know what I mean like
0: no that's a really good point like that that is true it's the movie makes him a bit too much of a cardboard villain I think I think because the actor playing um the younger Drago mm-hmm. well, he's Well, he's gorgeous. Mm Is um not the best actor?
1: Yeah, (laughs) I mean, it's very weird to me that they cast that guy when Matthias Schoenaerts exists. I thought of it something. Yeah, like (laughs) make your choices, whatever. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It's it's fine, and I. But you're right. There's there's a certain lack of polish to it, and. I do love a boxing movie because I used to watch boxing a lot when I was a kid. Like, just not, not movies, but, like, just the boxing itself. My grandpa was a big boxing fan, and my family was, too. Um, so, like, I love a good boxing movie. And there's some smart stuff in here about, like... He and Drago fight twice. Spoiler alert, I guess, everyone. I don't know. But... And that first one... I, the whole time, I was like... I mean, he's not trained correctly for this. And then they the second one... The second fight, they explain the correct training that he would have to do to beat up a guy who's that fucking tall and that much bigger than him and has that kind of, like, strength. Um, so that was... I liked that, like, the technical boxing as- aspect stuff, but I, I, I don't know if that appeals to people who didn't already like the sport. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: um, I know nothing about boxing <laughs> uh, from background. My I, 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 haven't, I didn't even see the Rocky movies until college. Like, oh. it is something that, like... I completely missed The Fighter as my first ever boxing movie. Yeah. Which I love, but um, that yeah. is, um, like... The I, Fighter
1: I, is wrestling, I, isn't sports. it? Am I, am I insane? I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, I'm thinking of The Wrestler. I'm sorry. The Fighter. Which one is The Fighter? Is that... Um, God, who's in that? Christian Bale and
0: Welberg, David Russell movie.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Um, Like, it's like, my exposure to boxing was very little, so, like, every training montage to me is just, like like slow motion like working out. But <laughs> <laughs> um it's cool to know that like there is some sort of sports realism there. So yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that's interesting because I actually haven't seen a ton of the Rocky movies. I've seen like one and two, I think, and then both creeds, of course, but that's about it. Um that's yeah,
0: in the first three. Yeah. And hot take, I think Rocky Two is the best, but whatever. Yeah.
1: I mean I but, I can't say I haven't seen them both in so long, but I, I trust you. Um, but yeah, no, there is some really good boxing technique stuff in the second this one of just like it's insane that they put him in that first fight with that first fight without doing the kind of training he does in this because like Michael B. Jordan is a, a beautiful man, but he is like a like six inches shorter than that guy and like half as wide. Uh, he, he would get murdered in that in the ring. He would get fully murdered. Like it's like when Butterbean is a he's this is a big a huge boxer back in the day. I mean, he would just, and he was like, he was built like a fucking house and he, he would just, he'd punch you once and he'd kill you because it's like a guy with that kind of strength. It doesn't matter how much training you do. He'll kill you. Like there's just a difference of muscle mass. You know what I mean? Like you could be quick as you want, but if, if he's not going to feel it, if you're hitting a brick house, you're still hitting a brick house. It's not, the the house isn't going to feel it unless you got, you know, a sledgehammer. Um, yeah i think it's it's got some really good stuff in it and te- you know i'll see anything tessa thompson is in at this point i um, might
0: jordan's excellent in these both of these films
1: he's great he's great
0: he is such a it's just a movie star like that's like yeah. the narrative you can tell his pr team is pushing because he's had like four different profiles this year about how he's a movie star yeah but um you know he i mean he earns it like he's great i love that they give him genuine emotional mm-hmm. moments he, he actually cries on camera which is just so like refreshing to see like a macho man do
1: yeah like multiple times and like beautifully and and it's and he doesn't really fight with the emotion he just like lets it happen which is nice to see
0: yeah i'm waiting for his like big oscar movie i know he has a really big oscar movie next year and i'm like good like i want to start seeing him in um, at these award shows, in like a in like a no- nomination yeah. role, like I think he's so good.
1: Yeah, I was hoping this would be it, but I don't think it's quite st- strong enough. I mean, he does great work in it, but I don't, I don't know. There, nothing about it like makes me say like, I, this needs to be nominated, you know? And I yeah, I don't think
0: they're even going for Oscars. Like, I know Creed got like a nomination or two, but yeah. like I think this one is like. Not as good. Sure. Yeah, uh, a commercial vehicle.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's more. It's absolutely that. I think it's a good way to put it. Um, and then the last one we're going to talk about, um, which I'm I'm going to let you go for the most part because you, you were really excited about it. You've also seen it more times than I have. So, um, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is uh, widow's uh, Stephen McQueen's new film written by Gillian Flynn, who did um, Sharp Objects and uh, Gone Girl. This is an uh, it's an original. It's not based off an old work of hers. It's it's an original screenplay. Um, and it's, it's actually
0: based on a BBC miniseries from the eighties, but I think like oh right, loosely based. Yeah,
1: yeah. I yeah. I can't say because I haven't seen it. Um, but it stars Viola Davis and um, Elizabeth Debicki. um Who else? Uh, Mich- Everyone. Yeah, Sorry. Michelle Rodriguez, Cynthia Erivo. Colin um, Farrell. Colin Farrell. Robert Tavali, Yeah. Right um everyone's in it um and it uh you saw it, it came out like a week and a half ago and what do you what do you what do you think of it
0: yeah um i saw this the night it opened mm-hmm. um and then i actually saw it a second time just yesterday which i was really thankful for because um the first time i saw it i saw it with macula write writer for the site mm-hmm. and um like we went during a snowstorm and we were the only people in the theater and it was a really cool experience and i loved the film but then I saw it last night in a sold-out show yeah. and had the audience reactions and everything, and it was, like, maybe just love it even more. Like, no, this is
1: it's a real crowd-pleaser.
0: Yeah, no, it was. it is such a fun movie, and honestly, it's, like, in my, like... Like, I could see it being in my top three of the year. Like, I think it is such a well-constructed movie, which all of Gillian and Flynn's works are in their own ways, but um, this is just, like it's so intricate and it's one of those movies where every single plot thread gets tied together in some way and then it also has all of this these um social issues that are just kind of implemented into the film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not even in a way where it ever becomes a message movie. Like, I think there's definitely readings you could take um, mm-hmm. like, away from it, but I think it's more of just a movie about characters yeah. existing in a world where there are social problems. Yeah. Like, um,
1: well, it's and, it, it's brilliant the way it brings in this idea of, like, Police brutality and and, and pro- racial profiling, like it comes out of nowhere. Not out of nowhere. That that makes it seem like they just bring it in out of like you know they have no reason for it. It's it it comes in at the exact right moment and explains a lot of what's going on and like everything about um, w- what what is at work in in Liam Neeson character Neeson's character and and by Davis's characters uh, relationship. It's like a really smart character thing, as well as being a big plot point.
0: Yeah, they really, they put that plot point at literally just the right moment, where, mm-hmm. honestly, Viola Davis's character, um, we, should, we should say, I still don't think we got into the plot, it is about very, very simply, um, the wives of a group of criminals who are killed during a job, and they d- decide to take on the role of the bank robbers, because or the, the robbers, because they are um, being um, blackmailed by the person who their husband stole money from yes. to to pay him back. So, um, and there's a lot more going on than just that, but like, that's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. And, um, the movie does such a good job of informing those characters. It does a really nice job of showing like, um, how everybody in the, the, the titular widows and then also the villains like perform their ferocity or like their, their um like the role they have to like the fiercest they have to put on to get the, to get their various jobs done yeah but also like they have this humanity to them like Viola Davis I love in um this is like what she should be doing on tv like with Annalise Keating um, yeah murder where it's like she's this tough woman and Viola Davis is so good at playing tough women yeah but then it's like she's also very fragile and she's very um yeah
1: there's a core of like terror and insecurity there that's that's also drives so much of it
0: Exactly, and and then same with Elizabeth Debicki's character, um, who is this woman who's like a trophy wife for uh, one of the criminals, and then she has like no job prospects or money after he passes, so she becomes a sex worker, and um, like she's so good at just like embodying various different personas yeah. for for what she has to do at the given moment. Yeah, um, it, it, it is such a Julian Flynn is just such a good writer of characters i know she gets a lot of praise for writing women and it's very well deserved yeah but i just think like any character she writes she she's so good at just building a person that feels real yeah and i think this is like the best example of that from her writing just like it's so well done it is and also it's just very entertaining and it has like a a plot twist that is a little implausible i think it requires a lot of um like quick one line where like you realize like just to explain away plot holes Mm -hmm. but um it it works i mean they like the, the asps in the crowd
1: every time that plot twist. Ooh happens. yeah, my it's, crowd was was living through it. I saw it at the um, the insane theater in my neighborhood. I feel like I've mentioned it on the pod before. It's the one where that girl vomited in the sink, um, yeah. and and there's every time I'm there something is but it's totally buck wild. But um, yeah, my my audience was fully living through every minute of it, and like that reveal and every everything about every like emotional or plot twist thing there was there was reaction and by the crowd there was cheering at one point near the end uh in a very important scene with daniel, daniel kaluuya um where like the whole audience erupted into cheers and, and applause um, yeah and it's
0: a lot of
1: yeah and it's a big crowd-pleasing movie i i have to i will say that i i did not love it a ton um I thought it was fine, um, but I haven't. I frankly haven't thought about it much since I saw it the first time, and I don't know if I need to know if I need to see it again. Um, but I, there's really good things in it. Like, Tobey is incredible. She should be nominated for uh, supporting. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah, ha- I hope she does. I I don't know what this movie's Oscar chances are to be honest, but I'm yeah. like, she's she's phenomenal. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it might be too sort of like spread out all of the wealth of it. Mm-hmm. Um to get anything for anyone but like it, it should be her and Kaluuya because she has to play like Kaluuya is really great as a villain and you mentioned it in your review but Debeki has to do this incredible thing where she is putting she's performing femininity in a way that like is almost reminiscent of what what like um what Amy Adams had to do in in like American Hustle of like where womanhood is this is also a tool that someone could use in, in sort of selling a grift, but is also, like, deeply connected to some fractured personality underneath. And, like, she just does some really great stuff in it. And it, it's just... You root for her in a way that you don't quite root for everybody else, necessarily. Like, even Viola's character has a certain distance to her which I think for me is part of the reason that I don't know if the very end works Um,
0: see the ending worked it's hard to discuss with that spoilers but the ending worked for me um, in that like it felt like the final piece of the puzzle coming together I can understand what you mean yeah
1: I mean I I like the idea but I don't know about the execution hmm. like I like the idea of like that's where it would end but I don't know if we earned it in any way
0: Interesting. It worked better for me, the ending on the second room, I think, where, hmm. like, the my crowd was so into it, and, like it, um, like, it felt like everybody had, like, an emotional release at the same time, mm-hmm. but um, it's interesting. I, I, I get what you mean in a weird way, even though I don't necessarily agree. Yeah, yeah,
1: but, I uh, don't know. But Debeck
0: is wonderful, and I also really want, want to plug She's in The Tale, which is an HBO movie that should, like uh, like, should be up for Oscars. I wish... Oh TV yeah, movies could compete for Oscars, but she's incredible in the tale as well. She's she's had a good
1: year. That's that Laura Dern movie about um, uh, basically a, a young girl who is has a weird relationship with uh, an older man, um, yes. and then that's realizes uh, slowly, sort of accesses the that memory, those memories when she's older. Um, it's
0: a great film, tough watch. Great film.
1: Yeah, so there yeah, yeah. It that's an interesting thing of like. You know, if that were on Netflix, it would be in the conversation. But because it's on HBO and, and considered television, it's not. But who knows? Stupid. I don't know. We're we're in a weird we're in a world weird space now. I'm sure in a couple of years they'll, they'll figure the whole thing out. <laughs> not really, but you know. Not
0: at all. But we'll, you know, we'll
1: try. Yeah. Um, well, asked about it. And that basically covers all the new stuff that's come out. But I did want to talk about um, one upcoming sort of movie that uh, was announced fairly recently. That as we were saying before we started recording, is basically tailored to be interesting to the this podcast. Um, and it is uh, a Rock Hudson biopic by Greg Berlanti, who did, um, he does all the superhero shows on um, the CW, but he also did, he directed Love, Simon earlier this year. Um, and Rock Hudson for... I guess pe- there are people who don't know. Um, was a closeted uh, actor from basically like the '40s through the '60s. Well, I guess it's '50s through '60s more more than anything. Um, who had his heyday, like you know, in the '60s, especially in these like romantic hetero romance <laughs> movies, like a lot of Douglas Douglas Cirque films, um, which are are sub- subversive in their way, but you know, not not as obviously so at the time, um, but. He's in one of my favorite, probably my my, my favorite uh, Douglas Sirk movie, which is All That Heaven Allows, about uh, him and an older woman sort of fall in love, and it's basically a, a movie about, like, <laughs> the way that, like, TV is this way for women, older women, to sublimate their sexual desires, which, okay, sure. Um, it's a
0: really great movie. Oh, it's the best. You haven't, you haven't watched any of our listeners? Yeah. Like, go all, all That Heaven
1: Allows. Yeah, Rock, Rock Hudson plays a sexy gardener. It's fantastic. Um, and Jane Lyman is in it as the love interest who was in many Cirque films and I think at the time she had she I don't think she was married to Ronald Reagan at that point but she was at one point Um, but anyway Rock Hudson yeah yeah. and then Rock Hudson um, was closeted at the time and then eventually died of AIDS and that was when people realized he was gay for the most part I mean it was very shocking to everyone but he was more open in um, in his like personal life like there are stories of you know Jane Lyman, I think, and 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 friends of they were very close friendship wise, um, and like other people would show up to his house and even have these fabulous parties and he would just be like in drag when they showed up, um, and it was like not a big deal. Like everybody, it was a pretty open secret in Hollywood that he was gay, um, and I am there
0: are so many great stories about open secrets in yeah. like classic Hollywood, and I'm like, where are these movies? Like I'm like, like he's one of them, and I'm happy he's getting a movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, there are
1: so many great ideas for movies. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm super excited that he's gonna get his own sort of story story told on screen. I don't know who the hell's gonna play him because he's such a specific type of like this big, broad, meat headed guy, but who is you know contains so much beneath that like American heartthrob uh, you know facade. It's gonna be so interesting. But like, yeah, there's it's a it's a great story for people to look because he's in so many movies that were really like he was the ideal for a a man at that time Um, he's in Pillow Talk with Doris Day um, and all these huge movies and he's also like later in life he did um, a movie called um, Seconds which is have you ever seen that um, Matt?
0: No but I I've seen the poster a lot it's a very eye catching poster Yeah,
1: Seconds is about like he is he is some loser and then he like it's a sci-fi movie essentially but a very low-key sci-fi one where this guy is depressed about his life and he doesn't he's not enjoying it so he like he he basically does like a body transplant where he becomes rock hudson um and he gets to finally like live this life he's imagined but then like it doesn't end up you know it's not just just because you're you suddenly look like rock hudson doesn't mean you're going to be happy completely do you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a weird film that's very good, and he's great in it. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it. How about what's your experience with Rock Hudson other than obviously you see on all that heaven allows?
0: Yeah, um, mainly the Cirque films. I took a class in college that um, it wasn't about Douglas Cirque but we watched a lot of Douglas Cirque films. Yeah, and um, like I really like it's funny i saw the heaven and the last for the first time in high school and i didn't really appreciate it and then watching it again in the college class i was like this movie is a masterpiece yeah um, and then it, pillow talk's really cute um i i'm familiar with him a lot just through stories and i, I love reading about lgbt classic hollywood stars sure um or people who they speculate was it were lgbt yeah and, and um yeah like i think this is a great idea for a film like you said, I don't know who, who will play him. Like I could see, in a weird way, even though they don't have a great physical resemblance. Like someone like Army Hammer doing an okay job, mm-hmm. but um, there's no one that comes to mind. Yeah, well, I was God it's like with Greg Berlanti directing, which I have no problem with, but like no one from like the CW or anything like
1: that. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, none of I don't think any of those guys are like stocky enough. I mean, like Stephen Amell is a is a strong, you know, good looking guy, but I don't. He could never. Uh, he just doesn't have the chops, I don't think. Um, I like him a lot, but he's yeah, he's beautiful, uh-huh. but like not not the greatest actor of all time.
0: No, it's like it'll be interesting because yeah. I mean, like Love Simon is the only real indication I have ever had of Greg Berlanti's directing. I've seen bits and pieces of the different CW shows, but like I don't know which ones he's directed. Well, he
1: he's a producer on all of them. So I, I don't I actually don't know if he's I, what individual episodes he's ever directed. I, I'm not that versed. I must con- confess in like who directs individual episodes unless it's a big deal. But yeah, he like he's a big you know creator slash producer on all of them.
0: And Love, Simon is a pretty
1: well-done film for what it is. Yeah, like, it's a very good think. commercial f- rom-com.
0: Yeah, and, like, we talked about this on our, on our last episodes together of, like, conversations about, like, LGBT directors handling LGBT stories. Mm-hmm. And, like, he's a really good example of someone bringing a nuance to a movie
1: yeah.
0: that, like, a straight director wouldn't have given. And, like, you know, Love, Simon's not, like... Like, it's Queer it's, it's Theory 101. But, like... <laughs> yeah. Like... It has some nice nuances that, like, I don't think a straight director would have thought to have. So, you know, while he's not like an auteur or anything like that, like, I think he will do something interesting with this movie and, like, tell it in a way that we would, like, we wouldn't get otherwise.
1: Yeah. No. Speaking of that, that I'm, I'm saying right now, if he doesn't cast Jennifer Garner as Jane Wyman, I'm gonna fucking lose it.
0: Oh my god! I just got <laughs> so excited.
1: <laughs> Thank you, America. Again, Greg, if you're listening, come on. Do, just do me this what solid. They even
0: look alike. Like I never. Yes. Mean, they look alike.
1: Yeah, it's it's perfect. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna give that to Hollywood for free. They don't even have to pay me. Um <laughs> if this happened? I'm not gonna see the movie. <laughs> I know. I've I've ruined it for both of us, and I apologize. Um, but you know, it's funny. Speaking of Jen, I, it's that would be someone. Um, I, I hate like it's not just me being a fangirl in my way, but like. If if Ben were not slowly dying of alcoholism, I think he would make an interesting Rock Hudson because he's got that same build, and also once had that same heartthrob status, and he's a good actor. But I just I don't I think his he, he needs to get his house in order first, as it were, you know.
0: Yeah, Henry Cavill would be okay. I'm, think, I'm oh. thinking of on the man from Uncle for some reason this episode.
1: Yeah,
0: um, like he has the stockiness and. I never really saw him as a great actor until Weirdly Mission Impossible, where I thought he showed some interesting nuances and things like that. So I'd, I'd be interested in seeing him.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good call because he's so handsome. Oh, he is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and I don't know, like...
1: I would also you know, love to just see him carry a Christmas tree around in, in the, re- the, the the scenes where they have to do um, all that have a house.
0: Please. Who um, <laughs> for Taurus Day? <laughs>
1: yeah. Ooh, um... Well, I would have said Renee Zellweger ten years ago. Um, and speaking of Renee, we're going to be talking about her the same we talk the same way we talked about Jennifer Garner in a couple probably next episode. Um, she would have been interesting, but I don't know. Now it's um, it, Reese is probably too old, right?
0: Yeah, she's like the the easiest choice. But yeah. Like, yeah, I think she's probably a little too old, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, it's kind of like, um, Margot Robbie, maybe, or something like that, oh, or, like...
1: That'd be good, because she does have that look about her, of, like, that... Yeah. There was that disastrous article a couple of years ago in, like, Vanity Fair or something that was, like, the all-American girl is from Australia, and it was, like, you know, Margot Robbie, but it was sort of this awful, sting, piece of shit, sexist, like, article, but it is true. She is, she does completely have this, this like, look about her that is exactly what you would expect from that Doris Day beloved type, you know? Um mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good call. I don't know. She might... I don't know if she's too young, though, because Doris was always a little older than people realized. Um, yeah, and
0: Margot Robbie has like, that Jennifer Lawrence curse of, like, yeah, agents just don't seem to know what her age is and just put her in as, like, any age from 20 to 40.
1: Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, and, like, Jennifer is stacked, so I get it. But, like, yeah, they're both kind of, like... They're both so good, also, that they can play older, but it often looks a little absurd when they play older because it's like, all right, that woman's 22 or whatever.
0: Yeah, if we ever do an American Hustle retrospective, I could rant about how it is comical and Jennifer Lawrence is playing that part.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but she is so compelling in that movie that I I honestly don't care. Um, Yeah, it's a weird, like, it's a weird thing. Like, I, I think the one for me, I mean, we could do a whole episode on, like, Jennifer Lawrence playing women she probably shouldn't have. Like, Joy doesn't make any sense. But the one that stands out for me is Serena, which is based off of one of my favorite books of all time. Serena is the name of it. Um, where, where where she's playing this, like, femme fatale type, um, and she should be at least 10 years older than she is. Like, at least 10 years. Um, and also they completely mishandled that, the book and just are afraid to make a bad girl bad, which I am on record as being not happy about.
0: They ruined that book so... I didn't even see the movie. I couldn't. But, like, like it is... The, everything about that movie is a, is a train wreck. That,
1: oh, It devastated me. Because that book is so fucking good. And, like, if they were just not afraid of having... Un, of pl- letting America's Sweetheart play an unlikable woman, that thing could have been great. But they were. And it was not This at
0: Oscar buzz, which is one of the best podcasts around... Um, and like, Hey, if you're listening to said Oscar guys, like let's, let's do a crossover. Yeah. Um, like,
1: yeah, I'd love to get a woman's voice on that thing.
0: I, they're doing that this week. The week that we're recording, they're getting Katie Rich on there. And oh um, good.
1: I love Katie.
0: Um, I love Katie. Rich, yeah. And, and all these people, if you're listening, like let's, let's talk. Yeah. But, um, this at Oscars had a great episode about Serena. So mm. definitely like if you, if you're, more, if you're curious about that listener, like go listen to that, that episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's also pick up the book. It's great. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Jennifer Jennifer would actually be an interesting ch- choice too, but again, far too young. Um, like everybody who, that you could cast as Doris Day is either ten years too old or ten years too young.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of funny. Like all these parts that I'm like, I there's like there's no true comparison for the today of like yeah there's no modern Doris Day, there's no modern Rock Hudson, so it's going to be like a weird stretch, no matter what. I don't know.
1: But yeah, it's, it's not yeah right the star system has changed so much that it's hard to find analogous people in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't know I, I, who 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 are, who are the other major players? you know what I would also love thinking about it. I'd love a Douglas Sirk biopic like he makes such interesting films there are a lot of these are melodramas people if you haven't seen them. they're like beautiful technical or melodramas about like the quiet um the quiet suffering of of like the 60s and how unhappy everybody was under all of that candy colored clothing. Um, it's Um He does great movies. I mean like honestly I would love to see that biopic as well. Like Greg, make that too. For sure. Or have
0: Todd Haynes direct it and it could be the most oh, meta like God. Direct it.
1: Oh, that would be incredible. He, what's the name of the movie that's basically a Cirque film that he made? Carol. No. <laughs>
0: well, Carol is a Cirque film basically. Oh, I,
1: what, Not that uh, one. Not that Far one. From
0: heaven, which is like Far From Heaven's like a a riff on all but heaven Yes, also.
1: yes. That's the one I meant. Just because it's a direct riff on all of that that Cirque stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because it even starts that the credit scene is very much Cirquean. Like it takes exactly from all that. Another
0: great movie. They're both like Carol and um Far from Heaven, both phenomenal movies.
1: Yeah. I'm a bigger fan of Far From Heaven, but yeah, absolutely like worth seeing. Make a Douglas Cirque film, people. Thank um you. Yeah. I have a whole list of, them. like, there are so many fascinating people from um, the 50s 60s. Like,
0: there, there's there been talk for a while about a Montgomery Clift movie, yeah. and his story is tragic and fascinating. Oh, yeah,
1: I would love a Monty movie, because you're right, his life is insane.
0: I know there was briefly talk of, like, Matt Bomer doing it, because Matt Bomer is, like, the spinning image of, um, of Montgomery Clift, mm-hmm. but. Matt Bomer is a terrible actor, I think, so oh. I, I don't need that for specific movie, but, you know, it's, like, I'm curious about, like, his story, or, yeah. like, Catherine um, Hepburn, who kind of had a movie in The Aviator, but not really.
1: You know, that but, just reminded me of, I don't know what, uh, something in my head brought me to this. What do you, what do you think about John Hamm for Rock Hudson?
0: <coughs> Whoa, like, that's actually probably the best... I mean, like, the closest physical match you have and he's a good actor. Yeah, because... thing is that, like... <coughs> when it comes to, like, doing an all-the-heaven-allowed scene, it's going to be rough because, like, he's an older guy already, so, mm-hmm. like, and he's supposed to play a young guy in that movie, so it's, like...
1: Yeah, they'd have to get a woman who's even older, uh, but, you know, uh, nobody, like, I don't know, not everybody's going to know that history, so, like, only you and I are going to be like, that's a little off.
0: And if they cast for Gardner, I won't care.
1: Yeah, exactly! <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> We're basically telling Greg Berlanti how to make a great
1: movie. We are, <laughs> and honestly, we're we're solving so many of Hollywood's problems. What to do with Jennifer Garner? Who to cast, and all this stuff. I mean, they they should be calling us. Also, you're welcome, everybody. Yeah, exactly. Um, I feel like that's a good note to end on. We've we've fixed enough Hollywood problems for the day. I think that you know we we can't make all the ideas. They got to do some stuff themselves sometimes.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see how the world changes in two weeks. So we'll <laughs>
1: circle exactly. we'll back and we'll discuss. <laughs> exactly, we'll have more great ideas for Hollywood. Um, I think uh, coming up, what do you, do you have? Anything coming up, uh, review wise? Um, do
0: I? Let me think. Um, uh, I'll be reviewing by the time, like um, this goes up. We'll be around when um, my review of Fox Lux, another Oscar film. Oh, I can't we'll wait! Probably be up, um, and there's a lot of TV end of the year TV coverage coming out um and
1: oh it, you have a if Beale Street could talk coming up
0: oh yeah true that'll also be around the time that um we like that this episode's up and then um also RuPaul is coming back
1: oh and, shit um, we're gonna we're gonna record a podcast on that we might take time from our usual yeah from our usual recording of this podcast to do that because Drag Race uh, that cast is so f- stacked I can't even believe mm-hmm.
0: It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a wild time, so, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you should watch Drag Race. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and we, we, I'm sure we'll be, I'll be writing about it, we'll be talking about it, it'll be fun.
1: Yeah, I, I can't wait for that. Every time I realize, like, look at the cast list again, I'm like, how dare they, this is, I mean, <laughs> I've, I've never seen anything like, like, I, I would be happy if any one of those people won that thing. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, honestly, it really is, like, it, it is a great Great cast. And they have the um the Christmas special coming up, which should be a fun little...
1: Yeah. Edition. Yeah, I can't wait for all of that. Um, I think, review-wise, I don't know if I have anything really coming up for a while here. I think the next thing I have is going to be, like, Cold War in, in like, three weeks. Um, but I think I will eventually, at some point, have to review um, My Brilliant Friend on HBO for, for TV stuff. Um, just because it... I, that That... That book is very good, and I, if, if anybody's watching it, I'm, I'm sure... I, I, there's going to be writing on the site on it eventually, because it's it's quite a thing. It is quite a thing. Like
0: yeah, It's like a quiet, like, major moment. Like, no one's talking about it, but, like, the people that are talking about it are, like, freaking out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I read that book because a friend harassed me into doing it, finally. Because I, I don't, like... I have a very um, hard, no ongoing or series st- stance, for the most part, in books, because of, like... I just cannot commit to a series for the most part, especially if it's, like, ongoing. Um, and this is this is wrapped up. There's, you know, she wrote as many as there are. Um, but it doesn't make sense that I resisted it for so long because I'm one of the few people I know who's read all of In Search of Lost Time by Proust. And, like, this is, like, Lady Proust. And I, I love it. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'll probably write about it for the site sometime. Uh, we're going to have our... Um, we're going to start doing our end-of-the-year wrap-up stuff pretty soon. Uh, we're gonna have a TV thing coming up, uh, where staff picks of, you know, best TV of the year and best movies of the year, and I'm probably gonna write some stuff about best movies of the year. Definitely look out for that. Um, I think I want to do something about best film scores this year. Um. That's a good idea. Yeah, because we never really cover it, and honestly, I listen to film scores a lot. Um, that's one of my favorite things about movies. Like, not even just soundtracks. I like soundtrack tr- soundtracks a lot, but I, I really love a good film score. Um. And I have a couple this year that I really enjoyed. Um, and yeah, look out for all of that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Mercer Carpico, and then on the site uh, every once in a while. Matt, you want to plug uh, your social?
0: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at matt.matthew1. And you can also follow me on Letterboxd, because I've been on there a lot more recently. And, you know, like... I appreciate a a good favorite
1: once in a while. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, me as well. I've been uh, watching every Christmas movie Netflix currently has, and it's disgusting. Um, (laughs) All right, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, hope you'll be back next time.